you so much, Tar. Thank you. And welcome, friends. And isn't it wonderful to, to contemplate that kind of grace? John 1.18, of his fullness, we have all received and grace upon grace. John says, of his fullness. What is his fullness? Grace upon grace. Limitless ocean of the grace of God in Christ. Flooding the whole world. And we get to be part of that. So grateful for our partners that are with us. I look forward to this week uh, every year and have for all of these years. Our church was started as a Bible study in January of 1961. And then it was organized as a church in September of 1961. But before it was organized as a church, that Bible study was already supporting a missionary. <laughs> so when we say that the Great Commission Global Evangelism is part of West Park, it is in the DNA <laughs> of this church. Now you can imagine when after 25 years I arrived here and the church had gone through some difficult times. How challenging it was for me, the very first letter I had to write was to all of our missionaries, telling them for a period of time we would have to reduce their support by 20%. However, promising them that God in His blessing would renew the church and we would... Not only restore that, but many-fold. And it wasn't but about a year, year and a half that we were able to do that. And we were able then to have our really first missions conference of bringing new missionaries to, to join our team. And in that very first missions conference all those years ago, uh, how blessed we were to have David and Debbie Woodard as candidates to the field of England to come and be a part of that conference. And the Lord just knit our hearts together and our church to them and we were blessed to support them in their ministry in England and then God expanded that ministry to oversee Western Europe and then expanded it to oversee Western Europe and all of the Middle East for uh, ABWE mission. And then uh, a few years ago, uh, God took them to oversee the entire uh, ministry of the 1,000 missionaries uh, serving with ABWE around the world. So I've often teased David Debbie, I, I did good, okay, that very first <laughs> But uh, we had no idea how God would uh, bless them. They had no idea how God would be faithful. And they've gone through some deep, deep water and tested and tried. They've been with us many times. But we're honored uh, to be a part of their team and partner with them all these years. And Dave's going to share God's word with us this morning. Give him a warm welcome as he comes. Love you. Love you. Love you. 
It is a joy to be back with you again uh, here at West Park. Uh, you have blessed our lives incredibly over the years, and uh, we cannot say enough how much we appreciate all that you've done for us. Uh, Deb and I are, first of all, let me say thank you to the praise team. I thought I was going to have to hold on to my chair this morning before I got levitated up to heaven. Uh, that was absolutely wonderful. Thank you uh, for, our, for hosting us this week and for the, the many gifts that you've already given us. We got a bag last night of all the missionaries did of gifts, of gift cards and special treats. And we were just, Deb and I sat in our room uh, at uh, Gary and uh, Susan Holt's home who are hosting us and opened that gift bag. And we just were overwhelmed at your goodness to us. And uh, you have been faithful for 34 years. And you have enabled Debbie and I and our children to serve the Lord on the mission field. And, uh, you know, I tell people that in eternity past, I believe that God equipped Deb and I to be specifically effective with British people. Uh, we moved back from England a few years ago, but I'm going to tell you my heart is still there. I told Debbie at our last church restoration above Cambridge, uh, we had a church cemetery. And I told Debbie, I said, Debbie, when I die, I want you to bury me here at, at, in Ramsey. And then when ABWE asked us to come back and we felt that was God's calling for us to come back, I told her, I said, well, this is going to be inconvenient. Uh, <laughs> Uh, now that we're coming back to the U.S., but we love England. And then as Sam said, God allowed us the privilege of overseeing eight countries in Western Europe, and, and that was a great blessing. And then God called us to oversee all of Europe in the Middle East, North Africa, the limited access band of the world. And, uh, you know, we love Europeans. We love the British people. You sang a song this morning that just brought me to tears that we sang in our, in our churches in England, the, the old British hymn. And, and uh, uh, we, love, we love that part of the world. But I said, Lord, if we're going to be effective with Muslim people, with, uh, with Islam, with the limited access part of the world, you're going to have to stretch my heart because I don't love Muslim people and I don't love the limited access part of the world. And you're going to have to stretch my heart and help me to love these people. And, and God has done that. Uh, God has been gracious. And he once again expanded our ministry. And, and we are so grateful for that. Uh, so thank you for al allowing us the great privilege. Uh, Deb and I uh, have, have been able to travel in 70 countries around the world. And overseeing our missionaries. And... Uh, you have helped make that possible. Debbie and I are actually celebrating a 50th anniversary this year. It's 50 years that we've been coming to West Park. Uh, Debbie says we were two when we started. Our youth group in Springfield, Tennessee, just north of Nashville, and your youth group here at West Park would go to the Wilds camp down in North Carolina together. So we would come to West Park and meet up with the youth group here, and we would go on down to the wild. So we've been coming to West Park for 50 years now. And uh, so thank you. Thank you for being such a, a blessing and an encouragement. Open your Bibles first to a verse in Ecclesiastes. I want us to think about 
how that God is our strength and our refuge. God is our strength and our refuge. When we began looking at this, this part of the world, uh, the, the limited access part of the world, the Lord brought me to a verse that I don't think I had ever noticed before. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 1, one verse. And to me, this verse, as we think about uh, the, the stretch of, of Islam across this globe, as we think about unreached people groups, as we think about the unfinished task that God has called us to, and that the call continues. I am so impressed with your, the theme of your missions conference. Uh, the unfinished task that we have. This verse, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 1, for me just summed it up. And I began to weep as I read this verse. And I want us to slow down a little bit this morning. I want us to think about what this verse says before we go on over into Psalms. But it says this. Solomon writes this. He says, so I returned... And I considered all of the oppressions that are done under the sun. As Deb and I started traveling in the Middle East and as I started attending conferences in the Mediterranean that have to do with outreach, high security conferences that mission boards come together and we strategize about outreach to the Muslim people and to the limited access areas of the world. As we began to experience that personally, I realize that this is so true, what Solomon writes. And so I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. Islam is an oppressive religion. And he goes on to say, uh, And behold the tears of such as were oppressed. And we've seen this. We have experienced this. I've seen the, uh, in their eyes the hopelessness, the fear, the pain that Islam brings to people's lives. The oppression and behold the tears of such as were oppressed. And some of the saddest words that I've ever read in the scriptures, this next phrase, and they had no comforter. How tragic. How sad. And they have no comforter. Friends, we have a comforter. We know the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our comforter. But there is a, a great swath of the world that does not have Jesus. The task is unfinished. We have not taken the gospel to a large part of the world. They have no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power. There is power. They have complete power over the lives of these people, this oppression. And the last phrase, but they had no comforter. And as I read those verses within moments at having weeping over this verse, and I said, yes, Lord, this is the condition of so many people around this globe that are without Christ that do not know the name of Jesus. The Lord led me to Psalm chapter 9. And in Psalm chapter 9, it says this. It it's a great comparison of those that do not know Christ and, those, and we that do know Christ. In Psalm chapter 9, it says... 
I will praise thee, O Lord, verse 1, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I, the child of God, I will be glad and receive in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. Verse 9. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. We've just read about this great oppression in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 1. And here it says, the Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in time of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, has not forsaken them that seek thee. You see... We at ABWE, we believe that this is a new day. It's a new day for us. It's a new day for the church. And we are beginning an, an, a new initiative called the Open Initiative to reach seven uh, unreached people groups and to raise up seven teams of missionaries, new teams of missionaries, to go out to seven unreached people groups. Unreached people groups, we believe, are the next frontier for global missions. Let me give you some statistics. For every 30 missionaries that go to the reached, roughly one missionary goes to the unreached. Now, the Lord says, go ye into all the world, right? And Deb and I went to England. We went to a country that has about... 3% statistically, we figure, 3% of English people go to church. Okay? That's Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Jehovah's Witness, uh, Church of England, 3%. How many of those people that go to church have ever heard the gospel? How many of those that have heard the gospel have responded in a positive way to the gospel? So there's a great need in England, but we would not consider England an unreached people group. We would consider it reached. 30, for every 30 missionaries that leave the U.S. and leave other countries and go out to serve, roughly one goes to the unreached. My friends, that seems a little out of balance to me, doesn't it you? Now, we still need to go to the reached, to places like England and France and Italy and South America. Even many African countries would now be considered reached countries. We must, as the church, we must put a great emphasis on the unreached. Another statistic. One third of humanity has never heard the name of Jesus. Is that not a great sin? One third of humanity has never heard the name of Jesus. We have a great responsibility. My friends, the task is unfinished. If one third of the world has not heard the name of Jesus, the task of the gospel great commission is unfinished. The call continues. And thirdly, this statistic, 42% of the world's population lives in closed country with little or no access to the gospel. 42% of the world. Let that sink in for just a moment. 
42% of the world live in closed countries. Should West Park not be putting a great emphasis on unreached people groups? 42%, my friends. One-third of the world's population has never heard the name of Jesus. We need to get some balance in our missions programs. God's heart breaks for the nations. He, he longs to redeem a people from every tribe and, and people group on the earth. And we believe that God is calling forth a generation of missionaries to take the gospel to these hard-to-reach people. ABWE has been sending out missionaries and taking the gospel out since 1927. Why? Because Christ said, go and make disciples of all nations. Not just people that more resemble us. All nations. And yes, that includes closed countries and it includes unreached people groups. An unreached people group is defined as this. It has less than 2% of the population as evangelical Christians. And we estimate that there are 6,741 unreached people groups in the world. That's 3.14 billion people. And so who are we sending out these new teams of missionaries to? First of all, to not in any certain order, but to the Fulani people of Central and West Africa, a nomadic tribe. Debbie and I have been in Togo, and we have met with the Fulani out in the fields of Togo. And they're all over Central and West Africa. It's a nomadic tribe. Less than 1% of the Fulani people are believers. We're going to be emphasizing Guinea, West Africa, in West Africa. That's sort of the, the area that we're going to emphasize, although we're already doing some work in Togo. Basically, it's a, a tribe that's 100% Muslim. It is the world's largest nomadic group. Secondly, a country in South Asia. Publicly, we don't say what it is. If you come to me, I can tell you privately. South Asia, 225 million people in this one country that do not know Christ. Less than 1% believers. 98% of the population of this country is Muslim. Thirdly, the Japanese, specifically in the area of Togo, uh, uh, Tokyo. We have been in Japan for many years. We have a team, not in Tokyo, but we are targeting the city of Tokyo. Uh, we, we want to raise up a new team of people. We're, our plan is to meet with the Japanese pastors. After World War I, America had a great opportunity to go into Japan, wide open. We, the church really failed in that opportunity. And now those pastors that, that were trained and have been preaching since World War II, they're, they're, they're of an age that they're retiring and young people aren't coming along to replace those Japanese pastors. Japan is the second largest unreached people group in the world. The Bangladesh, uh, Bangladesh the Bangladeshis are the largest unreached people group in the world. Uh, we've been ministering there for many years. But Japan, less than 1% believers. Japan is the largest unreached people group that is still completely open to missionaries. Most of these countries, 
are closed. They're not open to missionaries. It's very dangerous to go there and serve. People can go to Japan and serve. It is an open country. The, number four, the Caribbean Basin. Uh, 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 Marty and, and, and they're going to be sharing, and Gary are going to be sharing with us this evening about the Caribbean Basin. Now, it's a different type of a place. Uh, it, it's 30% Christian. But here's the thing. It has a huge influx of, of uh, Buddhists and Hindus and Muslims from all over the world, unreached people groups that need the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a wonderful opportunity that we're going to hear about tonight to send teams of missionaries into the Caribbean basin, 700 islands that need to be reached with the gospel. Fifthly, the Syrian refugees, 13.5 million Syrian refugees, less than not 1% or 2%, but 0.2%. Nowhere near 1%, 0.2%. These are people that are in the 11th year of a civil war and the largest, the longest refugee crisis uh, world's largest crisis that we have today. And so we pray that God will raise up people to go into southern Europe and various places where these Syrian refugees are coming out of Syria and we have the opportunity to minister to them. The sixth one, Southeast Asia. Again, we don't publicly say where it is. A country of 10 million people, less than 0.1% believers. A country of uh, uh, totally uh, uh, 100% Islamic. And the seventh area is yet to be determined. And what we are saying is this to churches. Help us as ABWE to come up with what's your passion? Is there an area that we haven't yet targeted here that we can send uh, new teams of, of missionaries out to? And so our prayer is, is that your church, West Park, will get behind sending missionaries out to these unreached people groups and, and in this open initiative. We talked about these scriptures in Ephesians, uh, I mean in, in uh, 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 Psalms where it says that God is our refuge and strength. I want you to turn now to the passage that was read earlier to Psalm chapter 46. I want to look at this thought again. That God is our refuge and strength. What about the rest of the, the world that doesn't know Jesus? Before we read that passage again, Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would challenge our hearts today. Refresh us. I pray that you would give the people of West Park a renewed vision and passion for world missions. This church has been a lighthouse of the gospel now for decades. This church has been one of the great churches that we are familiar with that are sending out missionaries and mission teams. Father, help us to have, help West Park to have a renewed vision for what they can do to reach the lost with the gospel. Speak to our hearts today. Challenge us today through your Holy Spirit and through your word we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm chapter 46. Again, we read these words. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. We read about these, these, these people that have no comforter. But God is our refuge and strength. It says a very present help in trouble. 
Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. In the midst of challenges, God is our help. We have only one source of security, and that is God. When the economy collapses, when wars break out, when natural disasters destroy our homes, when governments fail, when our health deteriorates, when friends betray us, God is the only place we can find true security. God is our refuge and strength. But the rest of the world doesn't have this. And then there's a curious little word at the end of verse 3, S-E-L-A-H, Salah. And in the public reading of Scripture, you don't read that word. You're supposed to, you don't pronounce that word in the public reading of Scripture. You pass over it. But there are instructions to that word. And it means this. Uh, it, it, it means three things, that word salah. It means, first of all, that we are to, at that point, at the end of verse 3, in the public reading of Scripture, we should take a short pause. The Lord says, don't read verse 4 yet. Salah. You should right here, you need to, you need to step back and you need to pause right here. And then it means this, secondly, it means to weigh in the balance. It means to pause and then think about what you have just read. The Lord says to us, there is a gem, there is a treasure that I have just given you in Scripture. Do not pass on to verse 4. Pause and think about what I've just said to you. And then thirdly, it means this, to praise Him. Pause, meditate on what you've read, and praise Him. So what did He just tell us in these first three verses? What is this gem that He's given to us in these first three verses that He says, Selah, don't read verse 4 yet. Selah, He has told us, God is our refuge and strength. Others don't have this, but God is our refuge and strength. I explain it like this. Deb and I, for many years, we lived in England, and we would often go to London. Uh, when we would have guests that would come visit us, we would take them to London. We loved to show people around London and give them tours, and I, I'm a great lover of history, and, and uh, so we would take them in. And one of the places we would go to was Harrods Department Store the greatest department store in the world, okay? They advertise that they are the only store in the world that truly has a, a sale. They, it's the greatest sale ever. And so we take them to, to Harrods, and Harrods is a marvelous place. It takes up city blocks, multi-layered, beautiful old historic building. And there are different, I would say, palaces inside of Harrods to different things. So there's the clothes and and, and, and one whole floor is toys. You, you're talking about an amazing toy floor. You've never seen anything like it. And then there's the food halls. Well, the food hall is amazing. So you go in and there's a palace to uh, fruits and vegetables. It's amazing. 
uh, beautiful architecture and tile and murals and fountains and fresh flowers. And, and then you go from the vegetables and the fruit into the poultry and the meat hall. And it's just amazing. It's phenomenal. It's fantastic. And then they have one, one of the food halls is for the sweets, for the confections, for the cakes. And, and it, it is out of this world. Uh, and, and I tell people, I say, now listen, I'm going to take you to eat the best chocolate in the world. The very best chocolate in the world. Belgium fresh cream chocolates. Very short shelf life because they have fresh cream. After a couple of days, they have to throw them out, start over if they haven't sold. Belgium fresh cream chocolates. And, and I would tell them, I said, now listen, I'm going to explain to you how you eat a Belgium fresh cream chocolate because they cost $1 a piece. So you don't just pop that in your mouth and swallow it and there went a dollar. You can't do that. So this is how you eat a Belgium fresh cream chocolate. You stand there and you take a, a brief moment and you look at it, okay? And then you bite off just half of that Belgium fresh cream chocolate and do not swallow it. You stand there for just a moment and you, you pause. You meditate on what's happening inside of your head. And then you praise God. When you've done that, when you have salad, that Belgium fresh cream chocolate, you can then eat the second half of that Belgium fresh cream chocolate. Salad, that chocolate. The Lord says to us, I have just told you something that is very important and you need to say, La, what I've just told you. You need to pause. Don't you go to verse 4. You need to meditate on what I've just told you because I've just given you a gem, a treasure. And then you take the time to praise me for what I've just said. You see, my friends, we that know Christ, we that know the Comforter, he is our refuge and our strength. The, the rest of the world doesn't have this. How do they cope? Now, once we've selahed, after verse 3, he says, Now you can move on. Now that you've read that God is our refuge, you can move on to verse 4. Verse 4, There is a river, and the streams thereof shall make glad the city of God, Jerusalem, the place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, Jerusalem the city. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. The heathens raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered His voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts, here it is again, the Lord of hosts, is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah. Pause. Meditate. And praise Him. Salah. So what did He just tell us? He told us, my friend, that not only is God our refuge, but He has told us, secondly, that God is with us. We do not serve a distant God who we cannot connect with. 
We serve a God who says, and I love this in the book of Isaiah, over and over it talks about how that God takes us by the right hand and He walks with us. And when I read that in the book of Isaiah, I never fail to be amazed how and why would a holy God love me enough, care enough about me to say, I will take you by your right hand and I will walk with you through this life's journey. God is with us. God is there to help us. We can't depend on the things of this world. Psalms 20 verses 7 and 8 says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. God is with us. Selah. We read on verse 8. Thirdly, it says this. Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolations He has made in the earth. This verse 9 is very poignant for us this morning. He maketh wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. We probably, many of us, hoped and thought that maybe we would not have to face another war. It's heartbreaking to see what's happening in Ukraine. We got the last of our people out just a few days ago. Five-hour ride to the border of Moldova. And then a 15-hour wait to be processed to get over that border. But they are safely out. But the believers, the national believers, are left behind. One day those wars, these wars are going to cease. He promises us. I love to read. I'm often tempted to go to the last chapter of the book and see what happens at the last chapter. But I don't let myself do that because I don't want to spoil the ending. But my friend, he's, he's told us what the, end, what the ending's going to be. He's told us the end of the story. He says, he maketh... Wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. Even in all of these unreached people groups. And a third of the world that's never heard the name of Jesus. And 42% and, and of the world that are these unreached people groups. There will come a day. Verse 10 says... I, he will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. In all the earth. Verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Don't start reading that next chapter. Pause. Meditate. Praise Him. For you see, it tells us in these last few verses, 8 through 11, that, that God will be exalted. We know the end of the story. But until that day comes, we have a responsibility. West Park has a responsibility. The task is unfinished. The Great Commission is unfinished. God still wants to use this church to help accomplish the Great Commission. God still wants to call people out of this church as missionaries. 
My prayer is that there's someone sitting in this auditorium today, in this very room today, that God this week, if you will humble yourself before Him, if you will open your heart to Him, that there is someone in this auditorium today that God's going to say, I want you to leave. Debbie and I are from a small rural town north of Nashville, Springfield, Tennessee. We had never experienced much of this world. When Debbie and I started dating at 15, 16 years old, Debbie had never been to a restaurant. We had never been on a vacation. We had never been on an airplane. God transformed our lives. Now from a small rural town and a view of the world and a view of the church that was about this big, God has opened our hearts and opened our lives in an amazing way. And that would have never happened had it not been that we were willing to say, yes, we are willing to do what you would call us to do. We had a great youth pastor, Steve Grubbs. The pastor knows him. Shenandoah Boys Ranch in Cleveland, Tennessee. Steve would say to our young people over and over, he said, be willing to give up anything that the Lord wants you to give up. Be willing to go anywhere the Lord wants you to go. Be willing to do anything the Lord wants you to do. And so that was our prayer as young people, as teenagers. We said, Lord, we don't want to put any controls on the, the decisions that you have for our lives. We will go, we will go, we will do, we will give up whatever you want us to, to, to do. And so I pray that there's somebody here in this auditorium today that God will call out, several of you, that God would call out. You know, one of the most exciting things that we see at ABWE is when God starts working in the congregation of a church and someone says, you know, Pastor, I really believe that maybe God's calling me to go to this specific place. And then someone else pops up and they say, you know, Pastor, uh, we believe that God is calling us to go to this specific place. And then someone else pops up and they say, you know, we believe that God is calling us to go to this same specific place. And out of one church, God calls a team. I remember several years ago, there was a group of missionaries that came to ABWE, Team Kenya, and, uh, out, of, out of one church. And, and I told Debbie, I said, I want to go with Team Kenya. That is cool. You know, I want to I I join Team Kenya. I want to be a part of that. Maybe God would call a group out of this church that would say, He wants us to go. He wants us to go down to the Caribbean as a group from this church. And that's going to be the special project that West Park takes on. This is the country, the unreached people group that we're going to get behind. Maybe He wants to call you to Southeast Asia. Very difficult. Very hard. Uh, uh, maybe he wants you to go to the Fulani people of West Africa. That would be a wonderful thing if you would open your hearts and just say, Lord, if that's what you want us to do, we will do it. We will go. Whatever it takes, we will go. I am open. I am willing. You know, we can come up with a thousand reasons why we shouldn't do that. Oh, well, I've got these responsibilities, and I've got these children, or I've got these aging parents, or I've got this debt, and I've got this, and I've got that, and I've got a good job, and I've got a big house payment, car payment. 
You can come up with a thousand reasons why you should say no. Jesus wants you to be open and say, I'll do what you want me to do. I will go where you want me to go. Will you pray that prayer today? Will you be open to the Lord? And if he, if he does not give you the joy and the sweet privilege of going, then friends, you get behind the ones that do go. You pray for them like you've prayed for Debbie and me and others. You give to the missions program of this church so that it can finance others to go. Because we all have a responsibility. Everyone sitting here has a responsibility. He did not save you to sit in this pew. He saved you to serve. In one way or another, he, he saved you to serve. The task is unfinished. I can't overemphasize that enough. It's not that it's just unfinished by a little bit. We just kind of need to finish off the last 2%. You know, we've done 98% and we just have just a little bit more to go. My friends, 42% of the world lives in an unreached area of the world. A third of the world has not heard the name of Jesus. It's not just a little bit. The task is hugely unfinished. And we all, as children of God, have a responsibility to be some part of cooperating together to finish this task. Let's pray. Father, it is an immense joy for Deb and me to be back at West Park. I am so grateful for this church for the leadership, for Pastor Sam, and Sue. Father, thank you for the way that they have faithfully served through the years for this membership. Father, it is so easy for us to become comfortable. It is so easy for us to look back at what we have already accomplished. But Father, may, this, may we realize that this is a new day. It's a new beginning. This missions conference is a new beginning. It's a fresh start. It's a new look. It's a fresh look at world missions. And we need to be saying, Lord, we are willing to step up and accept the challenge and do what needs to be done. We are not going to live a comfortable Christian life. We are going to do what it takes, answer the call, and be a part of this unfinished task of sending the gospel around the world. Thank you for this church. Thank you that it has been a lighthouse of the gospel to this community and to mission fields around the world for many years. Father, I pray that you would help this church's light to shine stronger and brighter in these coming days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That was a powerful word, wasn't it? And uh, no matter how sweet that chocolate was that he was describing, that was sweeter. Uh, thank you, David. I, while he was preaching, I just, I just praying, I, I sensing, and then he, David mentioned in his prayer, renew. It's coming to my mind that this is a season for us as a church to renew our commitment 
to what is our mission, all of us, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Renew for this church to send out another generation of people on service for the Lord. For us to give as never before. For people to go on trips as never before. People to take that one year or two year. Or people to say, I believe God's calling me to give my life this way in service. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. It's time we stopped being defined by the pandemic. And we start being defined by the promises of God. And a work not finished. I believe that. And I want to thank my brother for that word to my heart today. And I want us to ponder that. And I believe this week can be that renewal, that fresh beginning. We sang that beautiful song. It's an old hymn. We want to sing it as we close. And ask God to help us to know we're not finished. (laughs) We're not finished. Unfinished task and we're not finished. It's not quitting time. Now he gave the sermon. I'm just being like a Methodist exhorter right now. Okay, all right. Let's sing to the Lord. Tim, you lead us now. Okay, stand if you would. Let's sing this again.